My dad was a photographer, and that meant a whole lot of film. And in that era of photography, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of film. So much so that with his engineering brain, he built a dark room that lived in our basement. And it was, for me, as an eight to 10 year old kid, the coolest thing ever. There was mystery about it. What happens in there? What are the chemicals that happen in there? It's always dark so that the film can actually be processed. And I really couldn't go in there a ton because I was little. And there were so many things in there that, uh, as far as chemicals that you gotta be safe with. But as a kid, for me, it finally clicked. One day as Christmas approached. That's where they hide the presents. And so if you can imagine Kevin McAllister, uh, first Home Alone, that scene where he opens that, uh, that piece of big paper and he maps out his entire strategy to defeat the sticky bandits. That was me as an eight to 10 year old kid. And I was walking through and figuring, okay, I've got to get from my room across all the way upstairs for, or from upstairs downstairs sneak past my parents' room, get down into the basement and somehow open the door that I've never been able to open in my whole life. Finally, one night, I snuck down there, opened that door, and here is what I found. This represents the presents for my twin sister and I that were in the dark room that day. And as a kid, here's what I did. I, I, would, got, I would get in there with my flashlight and as best as I could, I would t- move the bow and you would almost start to un, just unhinge that flap right there and open it, but you gotta keep the scotch tape on it, right? Because if you don't, they're gonna know. They're gonna know. You open it up, see exactly what that present was, and I remember my favorite present as a little kid was that first Nintendo system. Even with the Duck Hunt controller that was orange, that Duck Hunt gun was just the coolest thing on the planet at that time. I saw that wrapped it back up as carefully as I could. My mom later found out, so apparently not that carefully, and ran back upstairs. As a kid, for me, Christmas was all about the presents. Now, when I got older, uh, hopefully a little bit wiser, jury's still out, I was taught that Christmas is actually much more than this. It's about the Lion of Judah who came for us as a baby in a manger, and that first advent, we celebrate Christmas. Now, Fast forward even farther when I was a lot, a lot, a lot older, the truth is I learned that not only is there a first advent, but there's a second advent. Not only has Jesus come as the Lion of Judah in a manger, I had people instill into my life the truth that Scripture speaks, that he will come again, and we are to wait in eager anticipation, expectation of it. So it's not just the presence. It's not just that he's come once. That is an unbelievable fact that he's come. But as for believers, the big picture, if we zoom out of the Advent season, is that he's coming again. Stand with me as we read. We're going to be in the book of Luke. And when you get to Luke, you're going to get to chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. And we're going to kick it off in verse 25. Luke chapter 21, verse 25. Here we go. It says it this way. These are the words of Jesus himself. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear, with foreboding of what is to come on the world. 
For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when they see these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Jesus continues, says it this way. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away. But Jesus says that his words will not pass away. A couple more verses, verse 34. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things. All these things are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is God's word. Let's pray together and we'll dig in. Father, we're thankful for your text this morning. We're thankful for the truth encased in Luke 21 that we learn that not is, there's not simply just a first advent with the coming of your Son, but there's a second when he comes again for us. We can't wait for that moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so if I'm going to break down these sections, you've got three main paragraphs here. And the best way to do that, I think, is, is almost, and the cool thing is they really do flow together. So paragraph one, and we'll knock this out. Paragraph one is Jesus explaining the second coming. Paragraph two, he's going to illustrate the second coming. And in paragraph three, he's going to charge you and I to bear hug the promise that he's coming And bear hug that promise in the meantime, right now. So one, we got to know, he's going to explain it to us. Two, he's going to illustrate it. And three, he's going to charge you and I to bear hug the truth of the promise. So let's let's read this. Let's check it out. If you look at paragraph one, and that's going to start in verse 25 of Luke 21. He says, there will be signs. You're going to see these will statements throughout the passage. They're promises from Jesus himself, okay? Uh, There will be signs in sun, moon, and stars, and on the earth, distress. And you're gonna see some of these words. You see the word distress. You see that people are perplexed or confused. You see the roaring of the sea, which can a lot of times insinuate it's gonna be a little bit chaotic. And honestly, when you go down even farther, you get the two words, fear and foreboding for what will come. And then you finish up in verse 26 and it says, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now you get that moment and you're going, okay, this is going to be an interesting time for all. Folks are going to be confused, fearful. What in the world is happening right now? But look at what Jesus then says for those who are saints, those who truly believe the gospel. Here's what is true for them. It says in verse 27, and then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. 
And then he says, now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. That sounds something like my grandfather would say to me when I was a kid. It's, hey, Garrett, straighten up. We're at the table. Um, Let's have our manners straighten up, get ready. In this moment, it's not really correcting a behavior, though. In this moment, it's straighten up, raise up your head. Are you seeing what he is going to do? Lift up your head and see what is happening. In other words, we're not cowering in that moment as believers. We're not cowering. We gain confidence in this moment. There's two quotes that I love from a guy named Daryl Bach that illustrate this, and I want to read those to you quickly. He says this, in regards to the Son of Man coming in great glory and power and how Christians are to act, Daryl Bach says it this way, As the world shrinks back in fear, the saints will look up in expectation. As the world shrinks back in fear, in other words, verse 25 and 26, the saints will look up. They lift their heads in expectation. And the second quote that I love says, at that moment when the son of man returns, hope becomes confidence. As the believer, hope becomes confidence. And so the question then remains, he says, your redemption is drawing near. Whose redemption? Yours, if you know him. Do you know him? Have you given Jesus Christ your whole life? You may have heard about Christ. You may have attended a church, but is there a relationship that has begun at some point where you surrendered your stuff for his glory? And he wiped every sin in that moment. Do you know him? Because the beauty of this moment is it's personal. Your redemption, if you know him, your freedom, if you know him, is drawing near. Christ explains the second coming here. And now you're going to see a parable that illustrates this exact thought. Now, what do I mean by that? If I get to the word parable, that is a short story. Uh, It's a story designed to teach truth. That's a parable, a story designed to teach truth. So here he goes with the parable and it says it this way. Look at the fig tree and all the leaves. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So that when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. I love this quote from a guy named Leon Morris. He puts it this way and honestly, It's better than I could ever tell you. Here's what he says. The appearance of leaves on the trees show that summer's near. Similarly, the occurrence of the signs, sun, moon, and stars, mentioned shows the approach of the kingdom. So Jesus explains it and he illustrates it. As the leaves begin to grow, as they blossom and new life comes, this is illustrating a major change in season. It goes from weariness to hope. Your hope becomes confidence. And then you get to verse 34, and it's the final part, and this is where Jesus comes in and comes really strong, and he is urging you and I in this meantime moment that we live in right now, because that's it, right? The first advent has occurred. It's happened. Jesus has come. We celebrate. It's Christmas. But if we zoom out and see the the big picture of this advent, 
the big picture zoom out story is, is that he's coming again. He hasn't done that yet. So in this moment, we're in the meantime between first and second. And his argument, his charge to you, his charge to me is to bear hug this promise that he says. Scripture says, hold it really, really tight. Here we go. It says it this way, but watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. It says, hold loosely to the things of this world. Hold tightly to the truth that the scripture is true. Bear hug the promise that he will come again and make all sad things untrue. He finishes Verse 35, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. How do I summarize that third section that we are to be charged with? You're charged to keep watch, to keep hope. To stay awake. No, it's not specifically saying you need to pray at all times and never sleep. What it's saying is you need to live in prayer, stay awake, keep watch, and go from there. That's the most important part about this. It's to bear hug this. Uh, Christmas in the Gregory house is always interesting and it's awesome. It's my favorite thing. Christmas is my absolute favorite thing. It is the best, favorite time of the year. My Uncle George, when he was alive, before he died, he, he worked for the TWRA. So he was a game warden. And uh, Uncle George was a big old boy um, down in Centerville, Tennessee. They called him Bigfoot, big bearded guy. And as a kid, I always wanted to be him. But he would come over every Christmas, make the short drive from Centerville over to Brentwood, right down the street from here. And he would pick me up first thing and he would squeeze the life out of me. I couldn't breathe. I probably cried. It was awful. And now I realize that's what a bear hug is. It is to hold something so close that nothing is going to take it out of your hands. And when I see this charge from Jesus, you see this charge and he goes, but you got to keep watch lest you fall into the cares of this life. And what that says to me is, Garrett, lest you fall in love with the world and less in love with the king who has come and will come again. And so you're charged like I am to hold tight to this promise, to bear hug it, know the word and follow through. You know, I can't... uh, I can't get this quote out of my head. The fact that when the Son of Man returns, my hope, according to Daryl Bach, becomes confidence. It's just ringing in my head all week long. Uh, Hope becomes confidence. And it goes back even to just bringing up this idea in this Christmas moment that we're in now. A thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. And if we look at 2020 and I ask for a show of hands in this room or on screens, wherever you are, and you go, which part of that line do you sympathize with more? A thrill of hope or a weary world rejoices? And my guess is the weary word strikes a chord pretty deep in here. And I think that's fair. Old guy, not around anymore. His name's Adolf Adam. 
French guy in 1847 wrote that line, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. And I'm so thankful that somebody after 1847 translated that to English so that guys like me can actually figure it out. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. And what's Mr. Adam talking about? He's talking about the fact that the first advent happened. This line is about the birth of Christ. And I don't know about you, uh, but in my humble opinion, the more I think about the second advent and his return and the son of man coming on the clouds and his glory shining through, I'm thinking, man, I think Mr. Adam's line works for the first advent and I think it works for the second. That moment will thrill your weary soul in such a way as to where your heart will spring up in joy. And I'm trying to think through that moment in my own life when the the son of man returns. And I really do believe, I really do believe that that thrill of hope turns our souls, mine and yours, from weariness to joyfulness. Why? Our king has come once and he has promised to come again. And we are charged to bear hug that promise in the meantime. So in this season, we live amongst our friends, amongst our family, amongst our coworkers, amongst our friends at school, on our college campus. We live in such a way as to the first advent is echoed through our words in our life. And the second advent is also echoed through our words and our life. Friends, this Christmas, this book is true. The first advent happened. And a second, talked about by Christ, promised by Christ, will happen as well. And that advent is geared to thrill your heart to no end. Rejoicing unceasing in your soul. He's coming and he's coming again. Merry Christmas. Now, as we see this text, and you might be wherever you are, home, uh, with friends in the apartment, whatever it looks like, and you're going, I don't know if I know him. If the Son of Man returns, and whenever moment that happens, Scripture actually teaches that nobody knows. Like one of the great, beautiful things about the mystery of the Trinity is that only the Father knows when the Son of Man will return. And so my question to you is, do you know him? So that when he does return in all his might and his power and his glory, that it's your redemption in that moment. It's personal to you. The only way that happens, friends, is if you've given your life to him. If you've given your heart to him. And on the other side of the screen, I just want to say to you, if your heart is not beating a thousand beats a minute, that's cool. There's no pressure on this end. But if you want to know Jesus, you want to be ready for that second coming. So that's your redemption and your freedom this Christmas. All I'm asking you to do is text the word CONNECT to 623-623. Again, I'll say it. It's text the word CONNECT to 623-623. And we've got folks who long to talk to you about the beauty of Jesus. He's come and he's coming again. Let's be ready. Let's be awake. Let's be alert. 
and enjoy this Christmas for all it's worth. It's not just the presence. It's the king who has come and is coming again. Merry Christmas.